Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. And everybody shout fire. Fire. Come on one more time. Fire. Fire. How many churches are there in New Braunfels? A lot. (laughs) There's only one. It's the ecclesia of God. The ecclesia is the governing council, the legislative council that releases decrees into the earth. God said that we are sons and daughters, but we're also priests and kings. And so when we come, we don't pray begging prayers. We pray seated in heavenly places in Christ, in the throne room, hearing what the Father and the Lord is saying, and we partner with him to release it into the earth. So why do we do the prophetic activation so we can hear God better? Okay, yes, to do personal prophetic ministry, but there's also a corporate word being released into the city. It's not just about Legacy Church, it's about the church. The church coming together. This is a region wide event. We invite all kinds of people to come in. I just got back from the Texas Apostolic Prayer Network uh, advance where there are um, people who are grassroots in fellowship, relationship, praying as the ecclesia for our state and for our nation. How many of you know that we are at war? Now, we were born in a war zone just coming to the earth, but we are at war. There is a culture war. There is a war going on in our borders. There is a war going on for this state, and this state shifts a nation, and that is the determining factor, and we as the body of Christ have to come into our place of authority. You may not think you're an intercessor, but the prayers of the righteous avail much. And we need every single one of your voices to come into alignment with God is saying over Texas, over this region, but especially over this nation, a tide is turning and it's us. It's the grassroots. It's every saint coming into understanding your authority as the ecclesia of God. So when we pray, we're going to have worship. We're going to go for a couple of hours. That, that flag behind the sound booth is appeal, an appeal to heaven. There's a whole lot of history behind that with Dutch sheets and everybody. But let me tell you, this is a time of consecration is what it says. We're coming in as holy priests. We are going to worship, yes. We're going to celebrate and release joy and victory. But we're coming with prophetic intercession, not begging prayers, but from the throne room, decreeing a thing so that it will be established. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we get in the microphone, we're going to have an open mic. We're going to pray. We're not going to teach. We're not going to preach. We're going to prophesy. We're going to pray to God, and we're going to pray as God, releasing what is what he is saying onto the earth. And that's what we're doing on these fire on the altars. The Lord said that this is a key for us to be able to advance in this region. And so I'm calling on each one of you to come and participate. Don't come and just sit. Come and participate. Pray. Walk the room, worship, whatever you need to do. Get in front of the microphone and release what God has given to you. That's what this is about. We are intentionally going to be scheduling these every other month. That's a lot for us. It's a lot for our worship team. But I'm telling you, the Lord has given it as an assignment. You want to see your house change? You want to see your neighborhood change? You want to see your city change, your state change, and your nation change? Then we must be people of prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, why don't you all just stand up and give a warm welcome to Pastor B as she comes up and brings a word. Well, good morning, Jesus people. (laughs) You have got... 
Jesus Christ inside of you, the, the power, the glory of Jesus. And so I'm not going to preach. I really am not. I'm going to take just a minute. But right before it, it was between Christmas and New Year's, I woke up, and this is, I get words uh, of a morning when I wake up, uh, as he wakes me up. And this mor- that morning, uh, he said, I want you to start declaring justice. And he began to, I know, what, every one of you know what a decree is. You know what a declaration is, and if you don't, you know what a command is. So they're all different. You need to find out what each and every one of those mean and to join in. A decree, of course, is what kings and priests make. So we decree justice. And so as I was going along, the Lord said to tell you, to tell the church that Jesus is your lawyer. And, of course, Father God is the great, great righteous judge. Hallelujah. So you, you, you're going to win. So he said, uh, I want you to declare. And I, so I made these little sticky notes and y'all might want to do this so that you will remember. I don't know if y'all have a problem remembering or not sometimes, but uh, we need to have it in front of our eyes that we declare justice every day for the United States of America from the top, from the, from the head down to the local families, all the way from the state States, those counties, every part that you, every time you walk, you declare justice on the land and down to your family. And so I began to, to declare justice in the Lord said, and you can take it from here because I'm not going to go into it. But there's so many injustices that have happened maybe in your family. Maybe your family was beat out of things. Maybe your family was done an injustice in your finances and something like that. So God said to begin with the United States of America and to begin to declare uh, justice. And so we were in early morning prayer one morning, and I'm not kidding you, I went into a vision, and I seen the Liberty Bell. And as I seen, and I walked right up to it, I seen the crack, I seen everything about the Liberty Bell, and it began to ring. It began to, to say, whoa. It's waking up the saints to declare liberty and justice for all. In Jesus' name, this year is such a pivotal year in in, in the whole United States of America. So important for us to have justice in the everywhere from the top on down and one of these maybe soon I'll get to share I think I'm going to share a little bit uh, with sister's table this week uh, about me going to Gonzales uh, Wednesday and an eye opener for for sure uh, the uh, the birthplace so to speak of Texas and what we found there was astonishing and so we declared so I'm going to share this one Uh, And I just want to say one last thing before I read this scripture and I'll sit down is that you, (laughs) you have a dominion mandate. You have to appropriate everything that Jesus gave you, everything he has done inside of you, who he is inside of you, everything. You have been given absolutely everything that he is. And that's what we're going to be studying on uh, the ways of royalty. As Jesus is in this world, so are we. (laughs) We are royalty. We are majestic. So forth. Okay, here we go. So (laughs) I'll have to preach soon here. 
<laughs> so I'm going to just read Isaiah uh, 9 and 6. All of you know what this is. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Mm. The government. The government shall be on his shoulder in Jesus' name, so roll it on to him. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold with justice and righteousness from this time forth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So what are you going to declare this next year? Justice. Liberty and justice for all, in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. There's a saying in the South that they don't get you fired up, you know, your wood's wet, but wet wood didn't seem to bother Elijah, did it? So, the Lord can light up even the wettest of people, you know, it's good. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn just real quick to Genesis chapter 12. Put a marker there, Genesis chapter 12, and then turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1. So Genesis 12, 2 Peter chapter 1. While you're turning your Bibles, it struck me again when B told me that the other day, reading that scripture about the government rests on its shoulders. What part of the body is Jesus? There's some guesses out there. What is it? All right, he's ahead. Yes, it's not a trick question. What part of the body is the shoulders? Is it the head or is it the rest of the body? So we have to understand this. His headship is above us, but the government, the expression of his government on the planet rests on the body of Christ. A physical manifestation of the government of God on the planet rests on his shoulders, but it's ruled by the head, the king. So surrender. Make room. Make room. Surrender. Make room. I just hear the Lord say it again. Make room, make room, make room. I'm going to do something. I am doing something. It's the thing I've always done, and it's the thing I'm completing. You better be ready for what he's doing. Let me talk to you real quick about stewarding God's promises. 2 Peter chapter 1, we've been reading now to 1 Peter and 2 Peter for about three weeks now. But I just want to pick back on this verse and what we're going to pre- preach about stewarding God's promises. Verse 1 says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant. Let me hear you say bondservant. Let me hear you say a sold out one. A surrendered one. He gave all. He made room. He surrendered all. He was a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. If you're born again, say that's me. By the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Let me hear you say promises. Let me hear you say promises fulfilled. His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his excellence. Through these... Let me hear you say through these. Now listen to this. He's granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. His precious 
and magnificent promises. He's granted to us. He's given it to us. So that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world on account of lust. Partakers of the divine nature. He's granted to you. He's given it something to you. This is what this tells me in this. In order for me to steward the promises of God, in order for me to become a partaker of his divine nature, I have to learn how to steward his promises. In order to fully live out, become a partaker of his divine nature, Jesus in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? I become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. In order for me to steward that, I need to learn how to steward his promise as well. Because it's his promises that actually allow you to steward the nature that lives inside of you. Does that make sense? So let's flip over to Genesis chapter 12 real quick. I'm going to read, I'm going to skip from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15. We're going to go through a quick narrative of Abram that becomes Abraham. Verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you, let me hear you say a promise. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. Let me hear you say a promise. And make you famous. Let me hear you say a promise. And you will be a blessing to others. Let me hear you say a promise. I will bless those who bless you. Let me hear you say a promise. And curse those who treat you with contempt. Let me hear you say a promise. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Let me hear you say a promise. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. I would say promised. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth. I'm going to say his wealth. He wasn't a poor boy, okay? He had wealth with him. His livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. And there he set up camp beside the Oak Amorah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham, Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Let me say a promise. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated to the Lord who had, prepared, who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by the stages toward the Negev. Now flip over to Genesis chapter 15. Time's going to pass by. There's some story that takes place. You can read it later. Genesis 15 verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. Let me say sometime later. God doesn't always move on our time. He moves on his time. And it always feels like sometimes God speaks to me. No, he speaks to you all the time. He's always speaking but he's going to be very specific. He's very intentional with when he speaks and why he speaks. So sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Let me hear you say a promise. You're kind of getting the theme of today's message. Verse 2, But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son, since you've given me no children? Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. It's okay to question the Lord on how. 
as long as you don't question his character. Say it one more time. It's okay to question the Lord how and why. It's not okay to question his character. Abram in this moment did not question, are you really good? He's saying, I'm following you and I did what you said. I'm needing some more clarity, pressing into the Lord. There's a concept in the body of Christ sometimes that says the Lord is so far if you can't actually know him. That he's the unknowable but God. And that does not actually jive with the gospel of Jesus. Because Jesus was the express image of the invisible God. So that you might know him. Are we going to know everything about him? We'll have eternity to try to figure that one out. But I'm just telling you, he's made himself to be knowable. And it's okay for you to ask questions. Just don't question his character and his nature. Verse 4, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you even can. That's how many descendants you will have. Let me hear you say promise. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Let's let that hang for a moment. He believed the Lord. He believed the promise, even though he didn't understand it. And because of that, righteousness was given to him. Now flip over to Genesis chapter 17. I love the page turning. It's so good. Verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, let me say 99. 99. It's, it's been over two decades that have passed since the original promise. The Lord peered to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you countless descendants. At this time, Abraham fell, Abram fell face down on the ground, and God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And what's more, I'm changing your name. It's no longer to be Abram, but instead you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Let me just say this real quick. Often we're wanting to get to the name change and we haven't even stewarded the original promise. You can't handle a name change until you can handle the fact that he is God and he's given you a promise and he doesn't owe you all the details. It's a, it's a complete surrender, right? Abram was not ready for the title of the father of many nations. It would have crushed him, I guarantee you that. He wasn't ready for that promotion yet. But it was his stewarding of the initial promise, the yes, Lord, I'm making room for you, Lord. I'm just going to follow you, Lord. Can I get some more details so I make the right decision? Right now I see the way to do this is I'm going to have to make a, a non-heir my heir. But I just want to make sure that we're understanding each other. And the Lord's like, no, you will make your heir an heir. Don't make Eliezer. So the Lord, Abram's like, okay, gotcha. I'm in alignment with you. Now, 20-something years later, and we get frustrated when God doesn't answer us in 15 minutes. <laughs> You're ready for the name change. Ah. Let me just tell you this right now, legacy. It's not just legacy church. It's the body of Christ is ready for a name change. I, th I think the era that we've moved into, this season, this prep for the final revival of all time. You hear what I'm saying? is going to necessitate a name change that carries with it all the title and all the authority, everything that comes with the father of nations. I'm here to say the father of nations. He's the king of kings, yes, and that's how he rules. 
but he's the father of all fathers, and that's who he is. He is. And the way that he rules in his kingship is directly connected to how he rules as a father, how he lives as a father, how he loves as a father. And I'm just telling you right now, I agree with the dominion mandate. This is something we've been preaching for many years, but the Lord's moving in my heart saying, um, go back before the dominion mandate and go back to the original intention of the Father's heart. Before there was a dominion mandate, there was a God who says, let us make man in our image. A father who wanted sons. You can't understand the dominion mandate if you don't understand the heart of a father who wants family. I think that one of the mistakes we've made throughout church history, and I'm saying we because it's the body of Christ, whether that be the Crusades and this or that or forced conversions, is because we understood, hey, there's a dominion mandate. Fill the earth with all his glory. Be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion. And we weren't doing it through the heart of the Father. We were doing it through a heart of a king, and we only understood governmental rule. We didn't understand father rule. was not about dominion. And what I'm saying is the promise to Abraham was not about dominion. The promise about Abraham is you'll be a father made in the father's image so that the peoples of the earth will be blessed as the father wants to bless them. This can't be we need to pass rules and laws in Congress so that we can make right things right and take evil things and and punish it. No, no. It has to be from the righteous rule of the Father. And through that place, yes, when there's evil being called good, a righteous father steps in and says, no, no, you're not going to damage my children. But it's through the heart of a father. Do you hear what I'm saying? Verse 6, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. What's the everlasting covenant? Fathers to sons who become fathers to sons who become fathers to sons. And ladies, you understand this is not gender. Father is a male gender role. Sons... Jesus was a male. We understand this. But when it comes, we are all sons and daughters. It's sonship because you have an inheritance. You hear what I'm saying? This is the everlasting covenant. Israel is being invited into the everlasting covenant of Abraham, the father of many nations. Yeshua is the door. But it's a door to enter into fatherhood. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why would you be blessed? Why would you be the head and not the tail? Why would you be blessed coming in and blessed coming out? Because that's what the Father does. Not just because you're a people by your own name. A people will promise, carry the promise of the Father. It feels like I could unpack more, and I'm, not, I'm just going to leave that one right now. Verse 8, and I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner. Let me hear you say as a foreigner. It did start off as a foreigner. You who are born again, are foreigners in this world. But he's given you a promised land. What if the promised land was not eternal life with him? What if eternal life opened up a promised land that all the earth can become like it is in heaven? Do you hear what I'm saying? 
We're foreigners here, just like Abraham was a foreigner in the promised land. But he said, I'm going to give you this land as an inheritance. And I'm just telling you, we're so often wanting to get there that we're not busy about bringing there to here. And although I'm a foreigner in this land, I have to look at it just like Abraham. I'm called to be a father to the land. I'm called to be a father to economics. I'm called to be a father to education. I'm called to be a father. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're called to be fathers and mothers. We're supposed to take the image of God so that the earth becomes the household of God. Cindy's right. How many churches are in New Braunfels? There's one. One, 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 one. Lots of different houses, but one church with lots of fathers and mothers. I'll give you the entire land of Canaan. What if the Lord came and said today, I'll give you the entire land of this region or this entire land of Texas or the entire land of the U.S.? I think he would because I know Melissa. She would rejoice. Are you ready for the name change? We have to surrender it. We have to let go. I just feel like in order for us to transition, we have to learn how to steward the promises along the way. This last one is a hard one. Verse 13. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Jesus was crucified. I'll dare say Jesus was circumcised. So that when we're born again, there's nothing left of us. Our hearts have to be circumcised. Our minds have to be circumcised. Everything that is not him has to be cut away in this season. In order for justice to come, it has to be cut off. And we have to be serious about it. I'm all for joy. Y'all know this. I'm pretty laid back. I love joy. And I joyfully get serious about this. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Sweeping in the room. What does that mean? What does that mean? You can have all of me. He's going to mess up your agenda. It's okay. It's his agenda. Does that make sense? So I want you to stand up with me. Prepare your hearts and let's pray right now. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. We thank you that in this story we see how your promises protect. You told Abram, don't be afraid that you are our shield and that you're our great reward. We thank you, Lord, that as we surrender to you, we surrender to the one who protects us. We thank you, Lord God, that your promises prosper and promote. You promised in the covenant with Abram that you would guarantee to give us countless decisions. You said that you would make him a father of a multitude of nations. You would make him extremely fruitful and that his descendants would become many nations and many kings would be among them. Lord, your promises prosper and promote us. 
because we are, through faith in Christ, also children of Abraham's promise. I thank you, Lord, that your promises prepare us. I thank you, Lord, that from age 75 to age 99, you were preparing the heart of Abraham, Abram to carry the title of Abraham. So, Lord, we submit right now to your promises that allow us to carry and share in your divine nature. It's time for a name change. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High King. And I sense that you're calling us to step into a place of becoming the fathers and mothers of a multitude of nations the greatest revival to ever hit this planet. We thank you, Father, that your promises are eternal. That this isn't just in our generation, but it goes from generation to generation. We thank you, Lord, that it's an everlasting covenant, that you will be our Father. That you are our God. And you will be the Father to our descendants. We thank you, Lord, that you have fulfilled your promises that through Jesus, you made us right. And that your promise to bless Abraham so that he would become a blessing to others is the same thing that we carry. That you bless us through Jesus to become a blessing to others. And that where the enemy has cursed us or comes at us with trials or tribulations, you actually take him out because we're marked by the blessing. We're not marked by the curse of the enemy anymore because Jesus became a curse so that we might become the promise of the blessing. So we receive it now. We're not just waiting for promises to come. You have fulfilled your promise through Jesus. We are called of Christ. We are beloved of God and saints. We have been justified and have peace with God. We have grace through faith. We have perseverance and character and hope through Christ. We are confident that you who began a good work in us will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. We know that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. We thank you that you shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We thank you the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. That, Lord, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his Son. We thank you that the truth abides in us and it will be in us forever. We thank you that grace and mercy and peace are with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ in truth and love. We thank you that our soul prospers. We thank you that we're called beloved in God, the Father who kept Jesus Christ, that you're able to keep us from stumbling and you make us a place to stand in the presence of your glory, blameless with great joy. We thank you that you have made us to be a kingdom and priests to God the Father. We thank you that you've made us to be a kingdom and priests that will reign upon the earth. And Lord, that you promise to wipe away every tear from our eyes, that there will no longer be any death, there will be no longer any mourning or crying and pain. This is a promise that we have something to look forward to. But until that point, we will occupy as fathers and mothers because we belong to Christ and we are the true children of Abraham. We are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to us. 
And we declare this right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I release that blessing over you, Legacy Church, and all those who are listening to right now in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. 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 Give a shout of praise to him. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.